My name is Carlos Mesa, and I uh, beat the often pad uh, by doing two things. One is saying yes more often and saying yes to the universe when they when they send me a signal and saying yes to new opportunities. Uh, and number two, by instead of focusing on results, I focus on making sure people can be the best version of themselves. And that's how I look at, uh, at um, helping our teams and the people around me. Carlos Meza is the president and chief executive officer at Crowd Content, a content creation service that does millions in revenue per year. Well, many of you out there are interested in SEO, digital marketing, and how to get more people to look at your shit. Well, it's no secret that great content is the key, but making content is a grind. Trust me, I know. What if you could have pieces written for you at scale? Well, that's the idea behind crowd content. And more importantly, we'll talk about Carlos's journey from leaving finance behind to being caught by the entrepreneurial bug, a bug that in my opinion feels like a mixture between the flu and RSV. Or maybe I'm just sick, who knows. In any case, there's lots of practical advice and inspiration in today's episode. So here's Carlos Meza. I'm Ross Palmer, and this is Beat the Often Path. Well, welcome to the show, Carlos. It's a pleasure to have you here. I don't know why we're having this conversation because you're about to be unemployed. Uh, Chat GPT is going to replace you any day now. So what are we doing? Well, thanks. Here? No, no, I'm just going to start crying and. Uh, <laughs> and just, you're like, I thought this was supposed to be an inspirational all, all, podcast. No, in. this is just pure insults all the time. It's just I want to make you yeah, feel horrible. Just, um, yeah, right into it with a kick in the chin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right, you got to throw them off balance first, and then we build from there. You know, we got an hour to to grind out here. Um, but yeah, what's going on? Tell us about the state of the industry and your role in it. Yeah, well, if anything, I think is 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 a very exciting time, and I'm not going to deny that um, it's exciting and terrifying. Have you ever felt excited and terrified at the same time? Every single day of my life. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's similar when an, an athlete is, is is about to go into very big competition, right? Knowing that they could fail miserably, but also they could win big. So I think that's how I feel um, most of these days. Um, it's very exciting because things like are changing very quickly, and I think when there is change, uh, there's opportunity, right? It could be you can take two two views to it and say, oh, oh my god. Holy crap. Can I, can I curse? I don't know. Yeah, okay. you I can curse. curse. Yeah. I curse quite a lot. So I'm sorry uh, totally in fine. advance, but, um, people are like, holy crap, what's going to happen? My business is going to, you know, I'm going to be, I'm going to lose my job if I'm a content marker. Now machines are going to replace me, but, um, you can look at, at it the other way is like, okay, what is the opportunity in it for me? Right. And I think there's lots of opportunity for the smart, um, smart marketers and the smart people in general that, uh, I know not only smart, it's just people are willing to take, to take um, CDs as an opportunity to um, to do business or an opportunity to do something different and help people. So is AI gonna replace content marketers? I don't think it's as simple as that. I think um, AI will be able to do a lot of things that in the past we could only do by using humans. Um, but I think it's gonna, it's gonna make content marketers more efficient and the smart ones are gonna use it as a, as a power tool to make them much more efficient. And after talking to, to a lot of people in the industry, clients, experts, um, I think what is what, what will happen is that uh, AI will help people reclaim a lot of time that goes into a lot of drudgery work. And that time will be able to be reinvest, will be available to be reinvested into the creative side. So rather ironically, I think now highly crafted human driven content is going to become more and more important than ever because when everybody's going to start sounding the same because they're using all the same 
the same language model uh, based on chat, GPT, GPT-4, coherence, uh, or whatever, uh, they're going to start sounding very similar. And that's where, uh, how, how are you going to be able to stand out is by by putting more creativity, more human element into it. I, I think that's that's what um, I see um, and what other experts are seeing um, with the resurgence of, of, of uh, ChatGPT or, or AI or um, any of these new technologies. So I think it's a very exciting time and, and, and we all need to now find our, what is our new pocket and our new uh, value added in the market. Yep. Well, now that South Park has done it, the cat's out of the bag, so it's game over. But <laughs> let's rewind a little bit because we've made a lot of assumptions. Let's discuss, because we have to break this down and get back to the beginning here. What is content marketing? What is the idea behind it? And what is the problem that your company aims to solve? Because I understand all of that, but maybe people who aren't in the space don't fully know what those things are. Yeah, no, and thank you for that because I appreciate Especially uh, when you do something for a while, you can start assuming that everybody. You get so far do. down the path, and you're like, "Oh, but then we need to go." Gotcha. And people are like, "Wait, what? <laughs> what is this?" Yeah, wait, yeah exactly. Why so do content I need marketing? Your <laughs> yeah, I think content marketing is a way to reach audiences, right? And I think today, more than ever, all businesses are content businesses, right? Because we're all uh, online. Uh, we're all um, really in the digital economy. And even brick and mortar businesses are uh, online. And if you want to be found, you need to be able to get the, the the voice out. You need to spread the message. And the only way to do it is producing content, right? It, whether it's talking about your brand, talking about your products, or uh, um, helping clients with information that is relevant to their buyer's journey, um, that, that all requires content, even internally. You need content to communicate with your teams, with your employees, uh, with your with your vendors, etc. So um, it's all about communication and um, and really helping people with a message. So content marketing help uh, helps companies uh, get that message around, generate demand, uh, or generate trust, uh, communicate with their clients. Uh, I think that's um, it, it is sometimes it get it gets boxed into the SEO and getting found online, but I think it's bigger than that. I think. Everything that we do, salespeople use content marketing. They're 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 sending content to our clients to communicate and, and, and get the message around. But even if, if it is not sales, anything around, a lot of people around the organization needs content uh, to communicate with their with their audiences, and that's what all content marketing is about. I think the marketing side of it is okay is more focused on generating demand, generating awareness, and, and generating trust with clients. But I think content is is, is a little bit bigger than, than just content marketing. Yeah, I think you're right. And at its best, content marketing is a way to get your voice out there and then people get to know you and then they get to trust you based on who you are and they get to get a bit of a feeling of, I, I understand this person. So in my case, however, it's more like that quote of it's better to say nothing and have people think that you're a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt because I'm living proof that you can put out a boatload of content and still get nowhere. In my case, this is like the algorithm's just like, shut up, dude, you, you suck. Um, no, but seriously, uh, if you do put out content, like you said, there is an SEO component, which is somebody types in something in Google and then you show up and then maybe that can, you know, 100 ways to bake pies can get somebody to buy a pie from your pie business or something like that, right? Yeah. That's how it, it can work in theory. And of course you end up, and we, we talk about working with algorithms and I think this is important in general because in the SEO world, you have for over a decade, for 20 years, had this kind of hackneyed content that is just put together for the purposes of SEO, where 
they're trying to rank for a keyword. So the article feels very, very keyword stuffed. And it's just, are you looking for the best law firm in Los Angeles? Well, you've come to the right place. We've got the best law firm in Los Angeles. Many people wonder, what is the best law firm in Los Angeles? Well, we know what the best law firm in Los Angeles is. Like, Jesus Christ. We've seen that content everywhere. Everybody interacts with that content every single day of their life whenever you type something in. And of course, Google has this cat and mouse game where they try to deprioritize that kind of content that's trying to game the system. So it's always marketers trying to one-up the system, Google trying to shut them down, marketers trying to find a new tactic, Google trying to shut them down again. So we're always talking about the algorithm in some sense. And now we're in a position where the algorithm might be able to write the content and also judge the content. One algorithm writes, one algorithm judges. And some say that 90% of all content on the internet is going to be written by bots in a few years, which, you know, right or wrong, it, I, I do believe. So we're at this interesting place. And you said at the very beginning of this, that humans and that element, which I agree with, of course, I believe that one's voice matters. But maybe that's just me being a silly, stupid human thinking that humans are great. <laughs> maybe we're not that great. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, so of course, a human is going to say that we're awesome. That's just like somebody who's about to get fired from their job. It's like, but I'm great. It's like, yeah, are you, though? Because Ken, yeah. <laughs> Ken's so doing many, a better job. I so many things have to say that. So many things to unpack there, Ross. Like, we can go into a philosophical path or we can go into uh, the, 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 the more pragmatic path. So let's see uh, where we go from there. But I think what you were talking about, the, the cat and mouse game with the algorithm and the, the keyword staffing. So first of all, I apologize on behalf of all content marketers because there's a lot of junk out there. So even though I don't, I try, and, and in our business, we try to stay as far as we can from that, it's still a lot of junk out there. And yeah, when you get that stuffy keyword um, kind of uh, content, it's, it's just uh, makes my eyes bleed. So, um, and we get, a, we, we see still a lot of that, but that's, uh, and I'm putting to, it's funny because this is so relevant. I'm putting together a, 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 um, a talk. I'm, I'm talking in London uh, in about a month in Brighton SEO, and it's all about um, human driven content. And why, and, and, and that word that you talk about, keyword stuff and all that, that's archaic SEO now. That's like, SEO moves so quickly that it is like, think like two decades ago, but it's really only like three years ago when people were doing that. But it feels like so archaic tactics, right? Um, it's like using faxes to communicate with people. So that that's just, you know, if you're doing that, my question to you is, why do you hate your clients? Do you hate them? Like, why? Like, what have they just ever laziness. done to you? Right? You, you know laziness. what I mean? Like, like why? Yeah. Like, so then now in the present day, it should all, all be about intent, not keyword stuffing, but intent, uh, topic clustering, being helpful, all that. So the cat and mouse, if, if, you're, if you're writing and producing content for SEO uh, or just for the, the algorithm, you are in a very risky game, my friend. Like you should, re <laughs> you, you should rethink your strategy because uh, I don't think, it, SEO I think is gonna change as we know it in the, in the very short term. And just putting all your eggs on the Google basket is a, is a, is a, is a risky game. So, and especially when you're using these antiquated, like just all tactics. <clears throat> so I think you, what I tell our team when we talk about um, content and why is content important, you need to earn the right to ask for the business. The fact that you have a good product 
doesn't mean you automatically have the right to ask for the business. Now, in this day and age, uh, when there's so much competition, there's so many alternatives and information uh, is, uh, you know, in our hands at all times, you need to earn the right to, and to earn the right, you need to create trust. And to create trust, you need to help people. And to help people, you need to give them something that is going to be helpful for them, right? What can they thank you for after they read your content or after they consume your content? It might be written, it might be a video, whatever, but... What can be they thankful for? Can you make their, their, their day better, right? I know this might sound a little bit, you know, idealistic, but I think that's actually the right way to produce content. If you look at Google, Google, the last seven or eight algorithm updates have all been directed to create better content. Yeah. So that on the SEO part, like, okay, just really put, you got to put your heart and do you really like your customers or not? If you don't like him, why are you even in this business, <laughs> right? If you don't like him, well, you just put this this junk at, uh, content in front of them, and then that, that I don't know what, what we'll get in return. But that's that, I think that's my philosophy on that. That's why we keep aiming at, and helping our clients create really really great content. Now, <clears throat> the philosophical part of of what would even need humans? Yeah, I, I think humans aren't that great. Yeah, maybe that's a philosophical discussion. But you know, we're still humans, and we're still that's. The fact hey, that we still imperfect. think we're great. We'll always yeah. think we're great. That's all that matters. Yeah. Whether but we are or not. That, I think that the fact that we're in great and that we're flawed is what makes us That's what makes us great. It makes That's us what makes us interesting, I right? Agree. So yes. I don't think we great. Uh, great is not better than interesting, right? So, so or great is a, is a very vague word, but, and, and we can drive a truck under the, uh, you know, under that definition. But um, I think... And again, in what I'm when I'm talking about human-driven content, um, it's all now all about emotions, right? Can we get you to feel something? Is the AI going to be better to make humans feel something or feel like the AI cannot say I had this experience and it sucked for me, and I want you to feel you know relate to that experience? They can, because the, the AI cannot have an experience, so. Right, uh, you know, and the only way for humans to feel connected is to see another human, see ourselves in the, in the, in the, in another human history, or a, or a story. Right, so I think that emotional connection, that emotional part to it, um, is 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 going to be very important. And more than ever, in a synthetic world where everything is created by bots, we're probably going to create that connection even more. I don't know. That's I want to. I want. I want to think that's how it's going to go. It might be. I might be totally wrong, and, and the, the machines no and they won't knows. have. I won't have a, a, a job. But um, no one knows. I, as far as I know, even you know, there are studies that demonstrate that that the emotional connection is so important. So that's where I think, if anything, the volume of content will reduce, and it's to be, because now it's been all about volume. Let, let's crank out throughput. Let's let's put so much content out there to be able to rank and just to get the bo the voice out. Now I think we're gonna flip all the way around where we're probably gonna create less but much higher quality content, right? So somebody was talking. Uh, I was talking to. I think it was Anne Handley, um, uh, very 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 well known content marketer and influencer in the content marketing world, and she was saying, I think we'll we'll go into a world of Artisanal content. Artisanal content. Ah, deluxe content. I like yeah. that world. Yeah. So that's good. I think yeah. uh, I, I I think that's I uh, and I hope that's where where where, where things will go uh, because uh, it sounds a more interesting world to me. Um, but again, yeah. that's just me. 
No, it makes sense. And I think, you know, we've we've been doing this for a while, SEO, social media, all of this, 10 years. And I think we have to start from the blank slate that everybody approaches. And I sort of believe that almost every human, they begin their quest when they graduate college or they're 18 years old with, how do I make the most money possible doing nothing? Because every human just wants money to just pour into their bank account doing nothing. So we Google how to make money from home doing absolutely nothing. And then you see some articles They're like, hey, you can make a course. You could write, make a course, you could write a book, you can get passive income and you start going down this journey. And then you say, okay, but I've made a course. How do I get people to come to my course? Ah, well, you need to write content because you want to rank and you want people to see that and discover. And then the end goal is to buy your course. And then you've got people like Gary Vee telling you, hey, you need to put out 60 videos per day, seven days a week, or you're a loser in social media. So we're getting all these voices that you need more content across all platforms, video, audio, podcast, blogs, you name it, just content, 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 content. And then you end up in this cycle where everybody's doing all this content machine. I would argue that some people forget the original reason that they were doing it. Some people are so focused on the thing that they forget that the whole point originally was to drive sales back to something else or to make money, right? And then content becomes content for content's sake, which is a very interesting place to be. So we're in this zone where, like you said, the, the history has been pumping out a bunch of content. So when you have to do that, quality suffers. If I believe that I have to put out 60 videos a day, it's not going to be as good as if I want to put out one great video a month. If I have to put out a blog per day, like Neil Patel and other digital marketers do, or four blogs per day, the quality is going to go down if you do it yourself. So the next thing you Google is, hey, who can help me? I'm sick of doing this myself. I want to keep that content. I want to hire somebody else to do this for me because I don't like that. And then I think that's the part of the conversation where, or I don't have time to do this. Your company sort of comes into play, right? Yep. Yeah. So I, 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 I hear, I hear what you're saying. And uh, I, I seen um, Gary V saying things like that. And I think, well, Part of it, I think, I also take it from what he says, is you need to get the reps, right? It's like, you know, even if you suck, you need to get the reps so you get into the rhythm, right? And I think that was valid uh, for, 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 um, for a while about, you know, putting out enough content to get, to get out there. Um, and, and if you're a beginner, I think you, you need to put the reps, right? You need to, to, to get out there. You need to suck, you know, go through the suck phase and, and, um, and get better at it but that's a whole different i think that's that's a different topic now if you're a brand um and you want to like do you have something interesting to say first of all like do you have something unique and original or you're just gonna take what somebody else had said uh, somebody else said and then you just put it on your own voice i mean like that, those are the kind of things that you need to think about are you better off creating five pieces of very unique and original content that are going to help be helpful than putting 20 that is just kind of repetition and copycat. So uh, it is, I think we're going to go that way. We're still, we're still a little bit on the volume game, but I think as AI, um, remember the other thing is that remember AI, we think is everywhere because it's now uh, the, 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 is everywhere in the, in the media. Uh, and for us content marketers, we, we're dealing with it every day, but a lot of people doesn't even know what's going on because now it's changing so quickly that the mainstream, 
you know, this probably 90% of people don't even still understand what's, they don't even know what content marketing is. So let alone that's, that's using true. They a, don't. A, 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 So, you know, let's, let's also put everything in, in perspective a little bit, but right. um, Very true. Where, where I was going is I think, you know, the volume gain, volume game will start shifting to more of a quality game over time. And then I think, you know, what I've seen is that during the pandemic, a lot of people jump on the passive income wagon. Well, they were at home with nothing to do. Maybe, you know, maybe getting uh, government assistance or maybe yeah, you know, they blew a up job. our spot. Us remote workers who've been doing it for years, we're like, dang it, now you're all here. Yeah, <laughs> we exactly. were doing our thing by ourselves for like for 10 years. I was by yeah. myself, then suddenly the whole world was with me. I was like, oh man, yeah, and a bunch of me too's like, oh, I want to do that yeah. too. And then, you know, right. pumping out uh, content for for for, pe- uh, for for pennies, right? Uh, they could go to some platforms and get, uh, you know, a blog post for, for $40 and like and things like that. So, and you saw that that junk content come come online but um since last year before ai or chat the chat gpt craze we started seeing you know google really hammering that content and a lot of those people has been you know being pushed out of the market why because they didn't have any business to be in the market in the first place because they were not saying hey i have something very important to say that i want to share with an audience that i could find it helpful they were more like hey where can i make a quick buck uh, by by doing blogs, so now you know the market is correcting and and um, pushing some of those people out of the market. We have seen it uh, on our clientele where we get less and less of those more transactional uh, kind of clients looking for content. So I think the market the market will 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 change and it's shifting right now um, because also some companies are, are slashing their their content marketing budgets uh, yeah. given you know the economic economic uncertainty. So We'll we'll see probably a little bit less less volume um, in the future. I think AI is going to create a, a tsunami of content coming online, and when everybody starts sounding the same, then that will kind of diminish, right? And then the winners will be people creating really really interesting, very unique content. Yeah, I think I think you're right that there's a lot of low quality content. And okay, when you want to make money in as a content marketer or if you want to sell your services to somebody else, which I did in my life because again, you say how to make money. You can say I can make a digital marketing agency. It's a low impact way to get in. I can make an agency and I can sell this. And then quickly you learn that oh, local SEO is a thing or the kind of clients who will pay you money, law firms and all of the uh, dentists and law firms and professional services because who has money for a retainer? And then I quickly realized on my own journey and this was many years ago in the early days that people had very unrealistic expectations about what content could do or SEO could do. And somebody would say, hey, I just opened my law firm. We're brand new. How do I rank number one for best law firm in Los Angeles? And you say, that's never going to happen, dude. It's impossible. Because are you the best law firm in Los Angeles? What makes you the best law firm? You just want to rank for that term. You want the trap. But are you really the best law firm in Los Angeles? Hell no, you're just a law firm. And there are probably a thousand others that are statistically better than you in every possible way. So, so many people want to game the system across the board, but very few people are asking them the question of, do I deserve what it is that I'm hoping to get, right? And I think that's what comes at the heart of authentic content marketing is, do, am I worthy of the thing that I'm trying to get? Or do I just want to outrank Coca-Cola and Pepsi for best soft drink in the world? 
impossible, right? Yeah. So that's why I made my decision as an agency owner to only take on clients that have that unique message, that have that human element. I don't work with people who say, hey, I, I've got a Botox clinic. You want to help me? I say, no, I don't do that. I don't need to do that anymore, thankfully. I only take on people who I say, okay, you've got something interesting to say. You've got something that's worth amplifying. You've got something that the world needs to hear. And again, we get so focused in the technique and the how and all of that, that we forget that core message of what is really important and why are we doing this? And I think that's the point you've been trying to make all along. Absolutely. Like, like I was saying, you need to earn the right to ask for the business, right? And there is no shortcuts. There's no free lunch. You can try, you can Try to game the system, but it's gonna come and bite you in the butt. Like, and and we see it all the time, especially when again when you put all of your eggs on the on the on the Google on, on, on the Google basket. And you know what? To your point, you don't need to be the best law firm or the best whatever, but can you put something out there that is genuine and is unique? Maybe you're not the best, but best is best at what, right? Maybe you're the best law firm for minorities or for, you know, um, single, single parents, or I don't know, or for, uh, labor. I, I don't know. I'm just making stuff up, but can you yeah. find, okay, what are you the best at? Or can you just be, you know, one of the, the, the things about brands is the lack of authenticity. Completely. Oh, sounds so fucking rehearsed and produced. And yeah. I think, you know, why is YouTube and the influencer industry now becomes such a thing because people are more real, more authentic, right? You don't see the, the stuffy corporate video, you know, with somebody with a model with a scripted thing. Now you start, you're now seeing a lot of very genuine things. Uh, one of the examples I'm going to bring to, to my, to my talk is, I don't know if you saw that, that video from the CEO of Marriott. Um, no. so when the pandemic hit, we'll put it uh, up. And it, uh, yeah, we'll put, put it up, up on the screen in the edit. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I think it's towards the end. Um, so the guy, first of all, the guy's bald uh, because he's going through chemotherapy or something. And then he's talking about, you know, how, how, how they're, they're dealing with the pandemic because they lost all these associates and all the stuff. And you can see he's so genuine and authentic and you can see his, he's in pain telling this message. That's the kind of stuff that people want to see. Can you be just a human? Can you be authentic? Right. Then, you know, can you generate trust because you're being authentic? So that's, again, um, <clears throat> talking about authenticity, just being authentic. Even if you're not the best, just be, maybe you can say it a lot. Look, we are, we're not the best, but we're good at this and that. And we're trying or um, at least we'll try our best to, to, to give you the best service. I don't know. But I think that that's much better than trying to, to fake being, being something that you're not. I think being real, being vulnerable, being authentic. And I know this is probably... Ocus spoke some very soft talk for a lot of people, but I think that's now what what, what works. Even uh, even Google says it in their in their quality rating guidelines now. So uh, this is, I think, where the, where the market is going. Yeah, I, I think I think that's absolutely true. And people look at these things as sort of a magic pill, something that just does you know just instantly. It's a free way to make a bunch of money and to get your business a lot more eyeballs but of course in some sense and like you said a lot of people don't know content marketing a lot of people don't know seo they don't know how it works so in some sense it is kind of a magic pill and of course the reason that i have a living is that i'm able to magic pill a lot of things from my clients right so there is a bit of true genuine voodoo to it and if you know more than the average person you do have an advantage in a lot of fields that is true however 
people always ask me why I don't make my own content for me, for myself, for my personal journey, why I don't use SEO or keyword, why I don't digital market myself for this when I do stuff like that for my clients. And I think the fact that people like me don't should tell people something that you can become an expert in these fields and you can understand these tools. And then you may still choose not to use them because there's this other thing, human expression, authenticity, what you want to say, what you believe in, and living your life in a way that is not just a slave to the algorithm itself. I could make every video <laughs> keyword focused, I, but I don't do that. This conversation, it's not going to rank on YouTube. Why would it? That's not what we're doing here. We're trying to talk and we're trying to just be authentic and have a moment. So there are these two things of individual human expression and expression that is solely designed for a business outcome or some other outcome. And I think it's important that we separate those in our mind. And I also think it's important that we live, in, like you said, in a world where a lot of these tricks, people see through them. And, you know, it's no secret that the younger generations, they don't necessarily like all of the production value of stuff. They just like somebody pointing a phone at their face. So, it, it, it's important that I think the listeners separate those two things because they are very different and, you know, and that there's a problem when you don't, I think. Yeah. Well, I, look, at the end of the day, I don't, I don't know. It's not magic pill. It's just, you know, knowledge that gives you a competitive advantage. Right. But I don't think yeah. like magic, pill. like we all want magic pills. I don't, I want to be, I want to be slim and strong and ripped but I don't want to. I don't want to go to the gym. Don't I don't want to diet. Just give me a yeah. pill. But that's not how it works. You gotta do the. You gotta do the reps. You like you gotta get stuff. the reps yeah. in, right? You might. But now, to you might, you know, find a really good uh, trainer, or you might have these and find this particular diet that is not not everybody knows about, and then you might have that that little edge. But you are still gonna have to do the reps. When I say with that, and I think the business side and the uh, human expression side, that's what I'm saying. Like they're getting closer and closer and they're going to become one because again, <clears throat> and you're still going to have to have the techniques. Like that doesn't, it's just table of stakes, like maybe some keyword and some optimization on your page. That is still, you have to be there. I'm not saying right. it doesn't, it's not important, but that's table of stakes. That's not what is going to get you ranking? What is going to get you ranking is your message as long as you have the, the, the fundamentals, as right? As long as you have a message, yes. Yeah, exactly. exactly. As long as you have a message, but, you know, you still need the fundamentals. You still need a decent website. Yeah. You need to have, you know, yes. uh, easy to, to, to navigate and easy to read. That's just, again, yeah. don't hate your customers. If you like them, help them to, to, to go to your, your website and your blog easily. Like, like, help them understand it easily, right? So uh, I think those things are getting uh are together more and more and i and i and I, my bet is on on the craft and the human side of it and look i'm not saying i hope people are not understanding like i'm not against ai like yes ai let's use it how can we use this to eliminate the drudgery of content marketing because that's the other thing that people right. understand that content marketing there's so many things that go behind it right like just the composition of the content which is the writing or the or the video or that part is just a fraction right there's so much planning and strategy and post as well. So there's so many things. Can we use AI to eliminate some of that drudgery of that process, right? Or where can I use it to to um, to make more 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 productive, right? Can we get AI to do some of the research, right, on what I'm trying to say? Yes. Can I get it to audit Absolutely. what I'm 
what the message is and give me some additional suggestions. I think that's where, where things uh, will hopefully go. Again, because there is no magic pill. The person is thinking, oh, I'm just going to push a button and produce a, a blog. Um, well, you could. Let me know how it goes. Like, I'll, I'll love to see how that goes for a long, for a long while. You know, you know what I mean. Um, and so, a lot of the experts uh, they say they say that that doesn't work. But again, these are humans, and they talk about plagiarism. Right? We talk about my, uh, AI stealing from Getty Images, Getty Images suing them, the seeing the Getty Images <laughs> logo. Right? We don't know where the data is pulling from. But of course, me being a content marketer, I'm just a little bit smarter than that. So I type and I say, ChatGPT, write me an article that will rank in Google. And then it writes an article. And then they say, hey, that's plagiarism, buddy. And then I say, oh, yeah? Chat GPT, write me an article that will rank in Google. That's not plagiarism. Thanks. And then it's like, I didn't plagiarize this. But you have to believe that. It'll tell you. And you can try this. It will tell you that it didn't plagiarize it. It will tell you that. But you have yeah. to believe that that's true. Yeah. Um, but I, I want to switch gears here because we've, we've got, now we've gotten maybe too much. And I know you'll appreciate this next part. But I want to talk a little bit about... Your life, because you have a very interesting personal story. You left the corporate world. You became an entrepreneur. So let's let's rewind a little bit in your life and talk about how you got here, where you are, because I don't think it was quite a straightforward path. Yeah, yeah, no, I ask AI, hey, can you give me a, a, a path of life? And then I follow it. <laughs> no, but look, like, uh, hey, I, it's I, pretty good. A little rough yeah, around yeah. the edges, but it's not too bad. Yeah, no, uh, joking aside, uh, I think one of the things that, like I said at the beginning, uh, has been saying yes more than no. Saying yes to things that are unknown and scary and 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 always being, you know, curious. So, But were you always like that or is that relatively new? Have you always no, I've said always yes? been, I've okay. always been like that. Um, okay, I think, you know, I'm, a, I'm all, the oldest brother. The oldest brother, so the oldest brother is always kind of trailblazing, right? And get more attention from, or the, the oldest sibling, right? Uh, gets more more, more of, of the parents' attention. And um, my mom was very progressive and she was always pushing me, like, just try this, try that, you know, do this, do that. And I was always, and I was always very curious, but I think if anything, just getting that support and they're like, hey, just test it, try it out. It will be fine. Um, so gave me that confidence to, to always uh, try new things. So um, I went to engineering school. The, 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 why did I go to engineering school? Um, I went to a local school back home, really good school, but you know, wasn't the only thing that was available to me. My parents couldn't afford to send me uh, somewhere else. Um, I grew up in Colombia, so we didn't have kind of the, the, the infrastructure for you to go and just go whatever you want. And um, I was very good at math and I, I, I didn't knew okay, well, I can't be a doctor uh, because I, I just, that's not something that I, I know I would, I would puke uh, day, uh, day one. Um, so, okay, what is my next, my next option is, is get going for engineering. Um, so I decided to go for engineering and I, and I, and I did, I think, okay. <clears throat> Cause again, I, I was pretty decent with math. Um, and then something that was pretty pivotal in my, in my life was um, one summer, Towards the end, the, the, this, the, towards the end of the of the of my degree, um, a friend of mine told me, "Hey, I'm doing this thing. I'm going to the U.S. I'm working for a summer." Um, and I said, "Well, that sounds pretty cool. I want to do that too." So I again saying yes to to kind of these these things that um, I've known the guy for for a month and I, when when he was talking about that. Now he's he's my best friend. Um, but <clears throat> so I thought it was pretty cool. So. 
we came to the States, worked for a summer. I thought that was, that was very interesting. Did it, did it this, the next summer. And that led me to, to meet some, to, to meet someone that later on, when I was kind of finishing school, told me, Hey, uh, I asked her, what are you, what are you up to? And she said, I'm doing a, an internship with Citibank and they're looking for people that are very uh, fluent in English and Spanish. Um, and, and that got me a job and she's like, Hey, you know, you actually would be pretty good for that job because you have the profile. Would you be interested? And I'm like, man, not doing much. So, um, um, I, 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 I sent my resume and then I got the job. So from engineering writing to corporate banking. And for me, you know, a, a, a kid, um, middle-class kid from a small town, you know, working for Citibank was like the biggest thing in the world. <clears throat> and I didn't know much about the world or the finance world. So for me, that was a big deal. So, but I was lucky that I, I got that, that, that opportunity and went in there and embraced it and, and liked it and, and learned a lot. Um, and then I got recruited by, by another big bank years later. And uh, at some point, they, they, there was an opportunity to come to Canada <clears throat> to a city that, for, for those of you that don't know much of, of Canadian cities, Calgary, which is kind of the, in the western side, but it's very, very cold. That's, that's the thing. It's really, really cold. So um, they offered me that the opportunity. And you know what? I said, you know what? Why not? Like, what is what is there to lose? I told, told my wife, we had a kid now. Um, I said, hey, you want to go to this, this city you've never been to? Uh, but this is pretty cool. And she's like, you know, and I have to give it to her. Like, she was like, you know what? I'll follow you, I'll follow you wherever you want to go. Um, so uh, we took that opportunity, came over really loved the, the, the country um, and say, well, why don't we make Canada home? Uh, and we decided to do that. Now, after a while, the the, the bank life is just um, for a person that's curious that, you know, doesn't do great with authority, <laughs> that doesn't like too much structure. It, it becomes it, a, a little bit It's not satisfying? Are you sure? <laughs> what? It's not satisfying? <laughs> Get out of town. <laughs> I mean, it is for, again, don't get me wrong. It is for some people. For, for some, some people, people get, yeah, I agree. I know. Yeah, make great, always great, put that disclaimer, right? Yeah, great living and, and, and they have a great life, great lifestyle. And it's, it's okay, but it's, it, for me, I just have that itch, always that itch. And I started working with entrepreneurs and I found it so fascinating and interesting. And I realized, look, these guys, they're not necessarily smart, like the, the, the conventional definition of a smart, right? They're, I think the right word is they're astute, they're clever, right? Entrepreneurs are, you know, it's not necessarily they're like smart, smart. They're just astute and clever and- and, and, and I agree, and, and, yeah. yeah. There is yeah. a difference, and, yeah. Yeah, so, and I, I realized that, and I know that I thought I was astute or clever. I just realized I, I don't need to be too smart to be an entrepreneur. You just need to know know, know certain things and be willing to, to figure stuff out. So I just had that itch and I, I couldn't help. And then I, I did an MBA at night and I just got the itch just got worse because, you know, the MBA, if anything, just helped me just to open my, my eyes um, uh, to what is out there, met interesting people that uh, wanted to also switch careers or just had a, a similar itch. And look, after thir 13 years in banking um, <laughs> with, a, with a pension waiting for me, all benefits and all that, and my wife uh, pregnant with her third kid, I come, I come to her and say, hey, honey, you know what? I have this idea. So... Listen, uh, I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to go and ask a bunch of people that I don't know for money to buy a business that I don't know what it is. Uh, how do you think of that? <laughs> She's like, well, sounds like the stupidest thing ever, but you know what? I'll be with you even if it is under a bridge. So that's why, you know, 
I, I got it. I, you always have to have the right the right partner, right? Because um, yeah, you know, ninety nine percent would write would write a reason. Ninety nine percent of wives would 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 say you're out of your mind. Get back, get back to work, uh, and uh, and and yeah. So that's what happened. Uh, just to be fair, like I I I you know as a as a risk as a banker, I, I learned how to mitigate risk. So I really didn't quit my job until I have yeah, like eighty percent of one, my finance. Don't do that. <laughs> mitigate risk. Do not do this. There you go. Solve. <laughs> No, no. What, what I did is I, I quit my job when I already had secured eighty percent of the financing that we needed, right? That's smart. Because yep. you know I had a business partner, and he's like, "Let's burn the boats. Let's. Uh, I'm gonna quit when we have twenty five percent of our financing." I'm like, "Yeah, well, you do that, but I'm not. Like, let's not be also. You know, uh, well, you don't have to be heroes, right? And I think a good good entrepreneurs are really good risk mitigators. I don't. I don't think they're not risk takers. They're just you know, we have all a plan B and plan C. And I don't know, there are some entrepreneur uh, pure, purebreds and purists that will say, no, you have to be all in and burn the boats and that. Yeah, well, I mean, that's that, that's just my way of seeing the world is that like, no, you should always kind of think of how would you mitigate the risk and what's the worst that can happen and prepare for that. So anyway, quit the bank job, raise some money um, and decided to go and look for companies to buy, bought a software company uh, in Ottawa in tech, um, so you raised education. money. You raised money yeah. before you had a company to buy. How yeah, did you yeah. raise that money then? What did you say? Hey, I'm gonna have an idea in a little bit. Give me yeah, money. I mean, exactly. How did that well, actually go? Oh, horribly. <laughs> at the at the beginning, there were people that you know. Uh, I was called a buffoon. Uh, you know, I got these looks like, man, you need to get checked in the head. Like, what's wrong with you? But um, we didn't. We didn't. We knew it could be done because there's people that have done it, right? And there's a model and it's called the search fund model and we knew it existed and there's people are investing in it. And there's a lot of logic to it. Um, so we just kept we just kept plowing away and we just needed to get somebody, one person to say yes, that's all that we needed. One person to say yes, because then it's easy to get the second person and then the third person and so on and so on. But the, the good thing is that the first no's trained us to the, to the first yeah so i mean it's just part of the process again let's get in the reps just get the reps in you have to just get out there get get told no get being called a clown and all this stuff until you get somebody that uh buys into it um so yeah we got uh we got the first yes and then there was a snowball uh, effect after that okay so you went searching you found a software company yep yeah and how so, did that go oh i mean it was, uh, we were way over ahead. We should have, it was five times the size of the kind of business that you should buy for the first time. It was a very big business. Um, what, there's the size that you should buy. I think people would be interested to know that. What yeah. Is so I think somebody the, what the advice, the, the advice at the beginning is that, you know, you shouldn't buy any business that is, you know, bigger than probably 20 million in enterprise value. Right. If you, if you're a first time CEO, if you're a first time doing all this stuff, right. Cause you know, they're, 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 the, the stakes are much higher when it gets bigger. Uh, it just gets more, there's more complexity to it. So we were way over our heads. <clears throat> and I think my partnership, and that's the other advice, like, Partnerships are harder than a marriage. Um, at least on a marriage, you have agree. you have sex to make up with. Right? Yeah, a partnership <laughs> is a marriage. That's the thing that nobody realizes. It's the yeah, same yeah. thing. Yeah, with yeah, all the yeah. pros and cons. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I said, like a lot of the cons and not not a lot of the pros. Um, yeah, but no, it's, right. it's, I'm just saying it's, it's hard. It's just it's very hard. They're complicated. So 
Um, yeah. I thought I had the right, we were in the right partnership. Again, nothing against my, my, my previous partners, just we were in a line, we were in a line that, um, it's very, it's very hard to, to get your kids to be, to be raised properly. If the parents cannot look eye to eye, having a, a healthy relationship. So yep. in a company, if the two leaders are not, you know, uh, aligned, it's very hard to, so we have, we have lots of challenges. So, uh, I, st- I, I stay with that company. That company was just sold to, um, to a so- to a software aggregator, um, in, uh, here in Canada. So, um, the company, the company made it, but um, it wasn't an easy, it wasn't an easy, ri- an easy ride. So, yeah, I, w- I did that for three years. Um, I was selling in education, so selling to schools and universities is, is very, very, very different than selling in in, in our industry in, in digital marketing and, and whatnot. So I learned that, but I learned. Look, I learned. I, I got a lot of scars, a lot of learnings. Um, made me made me a better a better professional. Uh, you know what? Uh, my first. Time as CEO, so <clears throat> learned learned quite a lot. Uh, it was a very expensive tuition, but um, I think it was right. it was worth it. Um, so then I got my second shot, and and uh, like again, saying yes, like I was I was lucky, um, and I was willing to say yes to things. And this opportunity came around, and I and I and I, and I looked at the industry and said, content marketing is something that is is gonna is gonna uh, is gonna rise and is gonna keep going up. And I I still believe it's gonna be. Still, going to be very important now more than ever because it's going to be be very, very, very competitive. So uh, I say yes to his opportunity, and and here I am now. Wow, that's fascinating. And that was a few years ago, right? Because you've been in crowd content for a, a couple years, right? Yeah, two, two, and yeah, two and a half years okay. now. Two and a half yeah. years, right? And crowd content does, from what I've seen, at least a handful of million in revenue per year. Or is the, are those numbers accurate? What you see online? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we we're we're at eight digits. Um, okay. so, <clears throat> so yeah, we've done pretty well. So we, we doubled the business since, since, since I came in, uh, we've been very lucky in, a, in an industry that has been, uh, you know, up and to the right. Now, the last, the last few months have been, have been interesting because economic uncertainty, AI and Google really getting really tight on the algorithm. So has made, uh, has made the, the market very, very interesting. So I think we're going to an inflection point and, um, and I think there's a lot of opportunity at the end of the, this inflection point. It's just making sure that we can we can go through it uh, and survive and, and be ready for for the new for the new reality, which is going to be very different to, to our past reality over the, the last few years. No kidding. Well, I'm sure you must manage a, just an army of freelancers in the line of work that you do. How many people do you have in your orbit or employees at this point? Yeah, I mean, uh, our, our database of freelancers is always in the thousands, right? It's uh, I don't know probably over six thousand in our in our in our database and our network. Uh, they're not all active at once. Uh, there is always a core group, uh, probably around a thousand, uh, where they're they're more active. So that's that's the numbers. It changes all the time, but those are kind of high level numbers. And how many employees do you have then working on the business side? Right now we're around thirty. Yeah, 30. around okay. thirty full time. Yeah, oh, and then but those are yeah, but they're pretty pretty. You know. Um, Again, we, we we love the freelance model, so we freelance a lot of stuff. So it's hard to. Well, it it <laughs> makes sense for what you're doing. I mean, it yeah. do, it doesn't make sense not to, honestly, in your world. Yeah, at least from my perspective. Yeah, we only have full time employees in core positions. That's that's yep. how we think yep. about it. Uh, but even you know, there's there's some core stuff that we that we also um, not outsource, but freelance, right, or or contract out. Uh, we love that model, and we you know, of course, we we eat our own our own dog food. 
Yeah, of course you do, right? So I guess your job is basically building that infrastructure, which of course anybody who's tried to manage freelancers knows that's no small task. Managing even 10 or 20, it's complicated. So your job is finding the tools, I'm guessing, to be able to effectively keep tabs on 6,000 people and make that all work so that your own standard of quality doesn't drop so that somebody calls in it's like oh man are you gonna get ricky or are you gonna get jerry because ricky's awesome <laughs> but jerry jerry's yeah. got some work to do it's like yeah man, funny the last article ricky, you wrote is so good <laughs> it's funny because ricky's one of our, our content managers and he, he he's he's amazing um ah, see, i told you i knew ricky's the, he's, he's the real deal but jerry <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if we have yeah. a Jerry, uh, but um, <laughs> anyway, so yeah, so or how we see ourselves is a, a, a workflow uh, and communication platform, right? So <clears throat> we build it, we build a technology. So we have proprietary technology to manage all these communication and workflow. Uh, and it's, it's designed for for content writing and content marketing. Uh, like you said, managing an army of freelancers is 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 quite a is a full time job for many people, um, and it's, it's complex, right? The more humans you add into the mix, uh, the more complex it gets. <clears throat> so yeah, we we have checks and balances with within the platform and the workflow uh, designed to make sure that uh, people can keep um, the same quality or better every time, rather than sure decreasing. Yeah. yeah. What happens is that with people, as people start producing more and more volume, quality tends to decrease because you are you're adding more variability into the mix, right? Yeah. You're adding more people, so that's more variability. So we have designed the platform to make sure that we reduce as much variability in the process as possible. That makes perfect sense. Do you think that your MBA was worth it? Or was it just an inspiration to find that you wanted to do something else? Yeah, I th- I think so. I think it was. Look, I don't regret anything in my life. That's just that's very happy. Uh, yeah, it's a philosophy because you know, the, so, and sometimes my regrets are more about not doing something than for doing something. So I don't, oh, I don't, I don't regret my MBA. If I had to do it again, I don't know if I would do it again. I think now, like ten years ago, probably. But now with so much information out there, um, I think that time and money is very invested. Getting a real time, a real, a real life MBA, you know, just maybe if you're going to be willing to burn 50, 60, a hundred grand, um, well, might just put into your own business and then, uh, yeah. and then get that education because it's look, a valid um, question. Yeah. There is nothing like, uh, learning by doing and learning by, you know, trial by fire and things like that. Right. Like there's a lot of things that, that I do that I, you know, never have learned through the MBA, but some of the biggest lessons were not, it was just real life real life, um, real life situations. And uh, the MBA gave me some basis for understanding accounting, finance, you know, kind of basic, uh, ba- basic stuff around everything and, and, and really open your eyes. But again, um, if one of my kids tell me, Hey, I want to do an MBA, I would really uh, question very hard. Why are your motivations? A lot of people think I just, I just need the three letters after my name to get a better job. Nah, you can get a better job doing something else. Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> Yeah. I mean, I only have a bachelor's degree and it hasn't hurt me so far. Nobody even knows where, nobody's ever even asked if I went to school or for what ever. And if they did ask, they wouldn't know the school that I went to. So, uh, not that I'm, you know, Richard Branson or anything like that, but (laughs) it has mattered very little in my own life. I can say that for sure. Um, it was a, a lot of fun. I really enjoyed partying for oh, four yeah. years. It was great, but uh, yeah. was it worth 
a half million dollars. Debatable. I don't know. Um, but you know, th- I think the biggest takeaway from this this talk for me personally, because I I'm very blessed to have a wife that is similar, and you know we've traveled a lot, and I, I think there are a lot of similarities between our life arc because my wife is Dutch, and I lived in a foreign country for nine years, and then we both moved to a new place, L.A., that neither of us had ever been to. But I'm not from here; I have no family here, no connections here, so we've both moved internationally. I've started over two different times with nothing. And I think having that safety net of a partner that, like you said, you could live under a bridge and it would still be okay. And having that permission to know that, okay, if all of this doesn't work, that part of my existence is covered is so, so, so massive for taking a certain kind of risk. And I'm very lucky that I feel that as well. You know, if the LA dream, if this doesn't work out or if things fall apart, I'm very confident that we'll be okay. And that gives me a lot of peace of mind to do other stuff in the business. So I I think that's just a, it's a, it's a nice sentiment and I'm glad that you have that. And I I think that it's something that not a lot of people talk about when they talk about the entrepreneurial journey. Yeah. It's usually about money. Yeah. Yeah. It's a treasure and, and, and people should treasure it. The ones that have it um, and the ones that don't need to make sure uh, that your partner is in it because it's, it's a, it's a rocky road. Um, and I think the partnership is not about, again, it's not about smarts, uh, or, or connections or it's about stamina and, you know, going through the, the, the hard times. That's really, that's, that's really when it comes down to it. Like it's a lot, not 90% sweat and 10% inspiration, right? Yeah. So you know, having the right, the right partner, um, or the right people in your corner might not be a partner, but it might be a mentor, might be. <clears throat> a friend might be someone uh, on your corner that is, that is there for you and giving you that support, believing in you. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's huge. And, and I think entrepreneurs need that to be able to power through because it's a rocky road, not designed for everyone, but it's fun. Yeah, for sure. All right. We're, we're nearing the end of the hour. So I want you to give me three rapid fire pieces of advice. The first piece of advice is for somebody who wants to do content marketing the second piece of advice is for somebody who wants to be an entrepreneur. And the third piece of advice is for somebody who wants to change careers out of a corporate job. Yeah. So for some, somebody in country marketing, uh, look, think, think very hard what you have to say and make sure that it's going to be helpful to someone. That's, I'm sure there is somebody out there that wants to hear what you have to say. So focus on that and then, you know, have the SEO and everything that the, the, the techniques is, 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 those are the fundamentals, but that cannot be your base. That cannot be your focus. Your focus needs to be, okay, where's the message? What I'm trying to say, how am I trying to help someone, right? That's the, the philosophy and then use all the techniques and everything around it. Not, not the techniques as a center, but you know, your message and the, the, your audience at the center. Uh, for somebody that wants to be an entrepreneur, <clears throat> right like ask yourself well, why do you really want to do this yeah i want to have i want to make money but there's many ways to make money it doesn't have to be an entrepreneurship right like entrepreneurship is hard you and and the best entrepreneurs they just do it for the sake of it right i, I know people in their 70s that are starting companies like why you have more than plenty of money i, I think it's fun right they just like the the the, the, the challenge so uh, be very very honest with yourself about why are you doing this and if if you're you're willing to go through an adventure because it's an adventure uh, with ups and downs. Maybe it's a lot of downs and maybe some 
a few very high ups. That's that, that's how probably it is. So if you're ready for that, then 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 go for it. And if you're convinced, then just keep 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 going. Uh, but always with an open mind, because you might need to 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 pivot and and you know and and divert a little bit from the plan. And what was the last one? Oh, somebody wants to change careers. Yep. You know, just ask your ten-year-old self or fifteen-year-old self. You know. Picture yourself there. Would this person would have regret not making the decision right now of change the career? If the answer is absolutely yes, they would have a regret. Then, then that's you need to you need to do it, and not necessarily don't burn the boats. Don't just go and <laughs> and t- tell your boss fuck you. Tell your boss fuck you. I quit. No, just you know have a plan. Have a plan, but I start I start working towards it. Um, you got to make the time. Many people will say, "Well, but I don't have time." Nah, not true. If it is important, you have the time. Like you, you. If it is not important, you don't. You won't make the time. And that's that's a, a rationalization of people not 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 taking the chances because they, oh, I don't have time. No, you. Yeah. If you if it is important, you'll make the time. So <clears throat> there's your answer in itself, right? If you really think it's important, you'll 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 make the time for it. I, you know, that reminds me where, where I just want to throw in one quick thing because I have a friend who wants to become an entrepreneur. And the first thing I said was, here, read this book. I have so many books and books behind me. And I said, read the book. And uh, she said, I don't have time to read a book. And I'm like, then you do not have time. <laughs> to be there's, an the answer. There's, there's the answer. Yeah, there's the like, answer. If you like, can't it... read one book, then you cannot start a business. Just fact simple i mean but I, I i love that i love all three of those answers well done you knocked it out of the park congrats um okay so that's the end of our time anything you want to promote you can have the last word right here right now <clears throat> yeah no so um check us out crowd content so we are focused on creating high quality content at a scale so people that are very serious about reaching their audiences uh with meaningful messages but you know because of the organization that got into a point where uh, a scale and, and and the amount of the amount of content matters um, then we are here to help you create that great quality content. Um, so, um, whether it's with humans, with AI, we're, we got you covered because we embrace technology and we don't, we're not, uh, technology deniers. So, uh, crowd content, we are also putting amazing webinars. So, um, today I have Brittany Mueller from, from Hugging Face. We had somebody from Google just a couple of weeks ago. We'll have Anne Hanley coming in the next couple of weeks as well. We're going to have Michael King. Uh, we had Lily Ray a couple of times. So we were bringing a lot of really great people in the SEO world uh, and we we're asking them uh, about what's going on. And yeah, they, they have more interesting things to say than, than I do. So uh, come, check, come and check one. out our webinars. I think they're really helpful. Sounds great. And, you know, we made a lot of jokes. We had a lot of fun in this episode, of course. But obviously you have a great service that serves a very real need. And anybody who has worked in marketing for a real business understands the need for your service. And that need is not going away today or tomorrow or certainly not in the next year because every company is a content factory, whether they know it or not, or they should be. So very valuable stuff. Thanks for going off the deep end with me, Carlos. So thanks for being vulnerable and sharing your personal story. I think it's awesome. And with that, uh, the official podcast is over. 
Thanks again for listening to another episode of the Beat the Often Path podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode or any of the episodes we've shared, it would mean a great deal to me if you subscribe to the podcast on your platform of choice or on YouTube. And of course, if you shared either the show itself or this particular episode with somebody who might want to hear it to help us grow the audience for the show, I would greatly, greatly appreciate it. So if you've been a passive listener all this time, I get it. I understand. There's no big deal with that. But it would really, really mean a lot to me if you'd leave a positive review and help me grow this show. So thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next time.